Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Friday, November the 27th. I'm Tom Tilly, joined by Jan Fran. Hello, Tom Tilly. How goes you? Very well, thank you. Interesting one today. It is. You're going to get the story behind the Nazi symbol in the Pete Evans cartoon. So it reappears now as a constant symbol in neo-Nazi and extreme-right conspiracy white power networks. Yeah, you'll find out more about where the Black Sun symbol came from and Pete Evans' downfall in just a moment. First, here are the big news stories of the day. The Defence Force is moving to expel at least 10 SAS soldiers a week after a damning report revealed the alleged murders of 39 prisoners and civilians in Afghanistan. Yeah, so these soldiers have been given show cause notices uh, and given 14 days to prove that they shouldn't be sacked. Yeah, the ABC is reporting that the soldiers are suspected what's called accessories or witnesses to alleged murders carried out by other Special Forces soldiers. Yeah, but they're not among the 19 who Justice Brereton recommended to be referred to the Australian Federal Police. Kylie Moore Gilbert, the Australian academic who was freed from an Iranian prison yesterday, is expected to touch down in Australia today. Oh my, can you imagine how stoked she will be to have her two feet firmly planted on Australian soil? Now, our government uh, won't say this publicly, but it has been reported by Iranian local media and also unnamed sources have told Nine Fairfax uh, and the ABC that she was released in exchange for three Iranian men who'd been held in Thailand over a 2012 bomb plot in Bangkok. In Iranian news, you can see the three men at a ceremony. They're draped in the Iranian flags. It all looks very official. Yeah, the media reports say that the head of Australia's Office of National Intelligence negotiated with Iran for a year to secure her release. But despite all this information leaking to the media, Scott Morrison's refusing to confirm the reports. If other people have been released in other places, they're decisions of sovereign governments in those places. There are no people who have been held in Australia who have been released. Now, this might seem a bit strange, but Wentworth MP and former Israeli ambassador Dave Sharma, he told Sky News that it's actually not unusual necessarily for leaders to not come out and call it a prisoner swap and that there is a good reason for that. You obviously don't want to incentivise this sort of behaviour or or get countries that uh, play on the fringes of international society and international norms to get ideas or encouragement that if they go and scoop up foreign nationals... Yeah, because the idea is then they can hold people political hostage, basically, Mm. um, trying to do a deal like this. So they're obviously in a tough position here, Jan. They really wanted to get her back and... They've clearly had to do something they didn't really want to do, but it was worth it. Mm, I guess this really does raise questions about Australians travelling to Iran in the future, doesn't it? Yeah. Maurice Payne, who is the foreign minister, says that, look, all things considered, Kylie Moore Gilbert's doing okay. She is healthy and uh, she is in good spirits. Uh, On her return, she will uh, enter quarantine, but she will not be alone uh, and she is well supported. Yeah, she did spend around 800 days in an Iranian prison and was sentenced for 10 years. Kylie did put out a statement, though, through the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, a very gracious statement in it that she thanked the government for securing her release and thanked everyone who supported her. But she also said um, that she has nothing but respect, love and admiration for the great nation of Iran and its warm-hearted, generous and brave people. Yeah, that is a nice statement. Another interesting detail in this story is that she um, apparently was locked up because she was in a relationship with an Israeli. Oh, okay. And she was accused of being a spy for Israel on that basis. There you go. The other thing that's just fascinating, imagine 
behind the scenes, this deal that happened to negotiate this release? Like, what did we have to give Thailand for them to release three people who basically um, had a, a bomb plot? to attack people in Thailand in 2012. This is the sort of stuff that we may never actually find out. In the ABC's report, you see that our government plane flew to Bangkok, then to Tehran. Yeah, it did a real weird loop, didn't it? And then back to Thailand and again to Tehran, like a really complex situation there. Thankfully, the end result is an innocent Australian is back on home soil today and safe. It's a very special Friday for Victoria. Uh, The state is on the brink of officially eliminating coronavirus... This is as long as it gets zero new cases today, though. So fingers crossed, Victoria, you can do it! 28 days without an infection is the internationally recognised benchmark for elimination. This good news comes as the state prepares to accept international arrivals from December 7 under a revamped hotel quarantine program. Mm. Hopefully they can get it right (laughs) They can get it right, yeah. You'll remember that their hotel quarantine program, they put the kibosh on it back in July because it was responsible for the state's second wave. Um, They will be opening it back up early next month. They said it's going to be revamped this time. A lot more stringent measures. There won't be hotel workers working in multiple jobs. Some staff will be living on site. Um, There's going to be contact tracing of staff before they start. So some differences there. They do need to get it right this time. So good luck, Victoria. Netflix, Disney Plus and Amazon Prime could be forced to create a certain amount of Australian content under a new proposal from the federal government. Yes, so the idea is that they would have to invest a certain percentage of the money that they make here to either buy locally made content or to produce it themselves. Now, the whole point of this is to level the playing field with local free-to-air TV. Uh, They already have to make and broadcast a certain amount of Aussie content It's an annual minimum transmission quota of 55% Australian programming between 6am and midnight. They have to do it. As long as they fulfil that quota over the year, they're good. Well, if they can get these big, you know, American giants to spend that kind of money doing productions here, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, Communications Minister Paul Fletcher will today put out a green paper on this topic. That's basically a starting point for a policy discussion. They'll ask for feedback on that. He says it's all about rebalancing media to continue to support jobs and keep Aussie stories on our screens and Aussie media workers in jobs. Yes, please. All right, Jam, we're about to uh, jump into our discussion about Pete Evans' downfall and the cartoon that caused it. On today's briefing, we'll explain the meaning of the symbol in the Pete Evans neo-Nazi cartoon. Yeah, the cartoon that destroyed so much of his business two weeks ago. Mm, If you haven't seen this cartoon yet, uh, feel free to pause the podcast right now and Google Pete Evans cartoon. It will absolutely come up. What you will see is a caterpillar in a MAGA cap speaking to a big black butterfly or moth, potentially, And in the side view of the butterfly slash moth's wing, you'll see this round symbol. Yeah, and the caterpillar has a speech bubble that says, you've changed, and the butterfly says, we're supposed to. Yes. So the controversy here is that it turns out that the symbol on the wing of the butterfly was used by Nazis and their neo-Nazis as a sort of replacement for the swastika, right? Yeah, so when Pete Evans posted that on his socials, it was met with immediate condemnation. Um, far bigger than the flack he copped for the dodgy COVID sun lamp. Far or, bigger, yeah. Yep. Uh, or the activated almonds or or even his COVID conspiracy content. Yeah, because, I mean, I think if you are being seen to support Nazis, which 
you know, they killed six million Jews in one of the darkest chapters in human history, it is understandable that you are going to be met with a strong reaction. And it wasn't just a reaction from the public. He was dropped by his publisher, Pan Macmillan. He was about to film Channel 10's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, but he was dropped from that too. Bookstores, Dimmicks and Glee Books dropped him, retailers dropped him. A lot of organisations have cut him loose. Yeah, but then he came out saying he didn't know what that symbol was. Just when you thought 2020 couldn't get any more bizarre, the mainstream media have come out and labelled me a racist and a neo-Nazi. The fact that I had to actually Google what neo-Nazi meant is pretty telling. I don't know if I believe that he didn't know what neo-Nazi meant, but nonetheless, let's take him at his word. Yeah, it was a strange video. He had a horse nuzzling up to his neck. He did. And I was like, oh, maybe that's a symbol. And I, I looked it up. You looked up if horse was a symbol for something. Yeah, and some people believe it's a symbol for freedom. There you go. Coincidence? It just goes to show there are there are a lot of layers to this kind of stuff. It really goes to the heart of this. Yeah. The meaning of this cartoon. Well, let's go back to that original symbol of the black sun, the one on the butterfly wing, and we're going to work out what that actually means and how it relates to that cartoon that has caused Pete Evans's massive fall from grace. Yeah, Andrew Yakubovich is a professor of sociology at the University of Technology, Sydney. Andrew, where does this black sun symbol come from exactly and, and what does it mean? The black sun was um, resurrected out of the distant past of German mythology by uh, Himmler, who was head of the SS in the 1930s. He, when he rebuilt his castle, he embedded the, the black sun symbol into the, into the grounds of the, the floors of the building and this was supposed to be the the sort of mothership for the SS, the killers of the uh, of the Nazi regime. After the war, it was resurrected by ex-Nazis um, as a way of getting round the ban on the use of the swastika as a symbol in post-war Germany and post-war Austria. And it's been resurrected again in recent years, and so it reappears now as a constant symbol in neo-Nazi um, and extreme-right conspiracy white power networks. Because I read it as suggesting yep. that MAGA supporters will morph into neo-Nazis. That was my reading of it. Well, and I think that is an accurate reading of exactly what it is, right? that, the, uh, that um, people who support Trump do not realise that they will actually turn into neo-Nazis. That's one reading of it. People who support Trump should be alerted to the fact that they are fortunate that they will turn into neo-Nazis. That's another reading of it. And I guess a third reading is inside every Trump supporter is a uh, valiant proto-neo-Nazi waiting to get out. And when they morph or transmute into the uh, butterfly moth, they will have realised their life's work. Many of these sorts of memes have been developed in, um, in dark net areas um, like 8chan and so on, 4chan yeah. and so on, where over the last decade or so, and particularly in the lead up to Trump's um, rise, um, there were a lot of sort of white, skinhead, neo-Nazi, internet nerd, whatever you want to call it, geeks who were in a competitive um, environment to try and create memes that would carry deep messages that would alert their followers, competitors, whatever, to narratives. And the smarter and uh, schmicker they were, the more kudos they would get in those um, networks. But I think the fact that the, the, um, the Black Sun was used at Charlottesville during the, the confrontations in which a, a woman was killed 
suggests that it's a celebration of those symbols and the and the neo-Nazi ideologies that that live with them. Yeah, I think it's really important, as you pointed out, to understand this community um, around this meme, this sort of alt-right online community, which is a very strange subculture, a very disturbing sense of humour. They do a thing called shit posting, which is often posting something that people outside of their community won't understand and it might trick them into not really understanding the true meaning of of what they're saying. Are, Are we certain that that's where this cartoon originated from? Do we know who actually drew it? Who came up with this? It's difficult to, to track. I mean, it's a, I guess it's a research project of its own to go back in and, and do all that work. It's feasible. But um, unless you guys are followers of, um, of neo-Nazis or linked into other neo-Nazi um, uh, networks or people who are followers of neo-Nazi networks, it's unlikely you trip across it. That was sociologist Andrew Yakubovich. So let's find out, Jam, what what all this means for Pete Evans' future? Yeah, Andrew Hornery has followed his trajectory, well, basically since Pete Evans emerged as a celebrity chef. Um, he is a celebrity writer for the Sydney Morning Herald. Andrew, some organisations had already distanced themselves from Pete Evans's COVID comments um, and other things that he'd said and done, but do you reckon this neo-Nazi cartoon scandal has just gone a whole nother level of destroying his business relationships? I think that's absolutely the case. Uh, when you're putting out uh, imagery which is deemed so controversial and so uh, distasteful by the vast majority of people, there's really little else to expect but your corporate sponsors to run a mile. And no no brand which is trying to target the mums and dads of Australia, which is what most of those brands were, that had supported him, people like, you know, cookbook sellers and things like that, they're not going to want to have any sort of association with someone who's creating that sort of controversy. Andrew, the thing I've been wondering through the whole 2020 Pete Evans saga is, is there a business model behind this chaos? You know, he's, he's made himself the most talked about person in Australia by hitting all these controversial topics in just one year. So do you think, you know, via his, his podcasts, his independent web platform or the resort, he's launching in Byron, that he actually could end up making more money than he was from towing the line with those mainstream media platforms of TV and publishing? Yeah, I don't know about that. I think when you look at the deals that he's had, you know, the Channel 7 deal alone, like that, you know, we're talking about almost a million dollars a year that he was generating out of that TV show and obviously the subsequent deals that would come with that with supermarkets and food products, et cetera. So, you know, that sort of money is very hard to replicate when you're beyond the world of big corporations. So, and he really has. So he's kind of gone into, I guess, the crackpot conspiracy uh, element of the internet. And I just don't see the sponsorship coming in on that, whether it's just to simply generate more followers on Instagram and social media by being out outrageous. How much do you reckon the mainstream media, I'm using air quotes here, you can't see me, the mainstream media, how much do you reckon we have played a role in platforming, in publicising, in legitimising Pete Evans? I mean, he was due to appear on I'm a Celebrity this season and this is after all of the gaffes. Um, This is after being fined for promoting a light that helped treat coronavirus, which was completely erroneous. We've known what Pete Evans is for a while, and yet he keeps getting these massive platforms on the mainstream media, which he purports to hate, but has actually Mm. in many ways supported him. I mean, 
Is the mainstream media are we to blame? Oh yeah, but then but who are we to determine who gets attention and who doesn't get attention? If someone's generating news, well then supposedly the news is going to follow them and write about them. There's probably an appetite within news organisations to run those sort of stories because they know they're going to go really well. They're going to clickbait. Mm. They're going to go off online. Pete Evans becomes this perpetual news story which is constantly being regurgitated over and over again. Yeah, but that's that's the problem though because I feel like there are media outlets that are both slagging off Pete Evans but also providing with a platform and in some ways profiting yep. off him. So it's you know, a He's little like bit... a drug. They're addicted to his drug. <laughs> yeah. You know? it's, and it... it's, it's the drug of infamy and controversy and outrage. And it just seems but a little that's... bit hypocritical. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I, it is probably very hypocritical. But then, you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. If there's, an, if there's an interest in the audience to read that story, well, then they're going to constantly run that story because it's, in the end, news is also a business and they want to produce material which is going to get an audience. Otherwise, I guess, really, what's the point for them? Yeah, it's such a it's a tricky position because I think if you were a you know a mainstream media outlet and you chose to ignore Pete Evans, I mean he's got close to two million followers on social media. He has full That's control right. over his platforms. He has an audience that loves him and engages with him. You're right. He does have a big platform, so he does have he does wield considerable influence. And I do think that when he is making statements which which are going to be challenged, it is the media's job to scrutinise that. Yeah, and I think that's where the the balance needs to to come. Anything that's dangerous needs to be called out as such. But I can't imagine people ever completely going away from the story because mm. it just gets too many clicks. And that's the that's the business model of of new media these days. Andrew, great to have your analysis. Thank you so no much for worries. joining us. Thanks, guys. That was Andrew Hornery, celebrity writer for the Sydney Morning Herald. Jan, do you think Pete Evans will ever come back from this? Ah, oh, uh, I don't know. Depends on what we mean when we say come back. I think he's definitely able to find a new audience and he's probably very likely to be able to monetize that new audience. So if you consider that a comeback, yes. Do you think he could come back to sort of mainstream media? Definitely not in the way that he was before. I reckon he could um, at some point. A, because he's just so clickable. And B, if he went away and then came back in with the Mia Culpa. The redemption story. Redemption story. People love that. If yeah. it's authentic. I don't know about that. I don't know if, if he'd get to the same level that he was at before hosting a show like My Kitchen Rules for so many years in primetime on commercial television. Yeah, maybe not. Our sponsor this week is Combank, who are all about positivity and the can-do attitude. So once again, we're going to send you into the weekend with uh, a can-do moment of the week. Yeah, we're taking you to South Australia. Um, this is a great story. Today we're focusing on a young doctor. So... <laughs> This young doctor's basically being credited with stopping South Australia's second wave. For not going to that pizza shop? uh, No, no. (laughs) Although she probably didn't go to that pizza shop. Haven't confirmed or denied that one. She heard a cough, actually. She heard a cough in the emergency room last week. Lots of coughing going around in an emergency room. But she thought, hey, this sounds like a bit of a weird cough. Let's get this person tested for COVID. Right, even though they actually hadn't had any community transmission. No, exactly. So the patient was tested and lo and behold, here's Chief Public Health Officer Nicholas Spurrier. She knew what she had to do and she heard this person cough a couple of times and thought they're not getting away without having a swab. If we hadn't had that done, uh, we would have found out about this in about you know two or three weeks and um, we would have had widespread community transmission by now. So clearly this woman had COVID. This woman had COVID mm. and a cough just gave it away. A cough in a hospital of many coughs. There you go. <laughs> South Australia's second wave prevented by some 
very, very susceptible ears. Well, well done to that junior doctor, uh, Darmini Turaratnam. Yep. A Podcast One production.